Well, good morning. Glad to see everybody here this morning. Um, we're going to start off with singing in your blue hymnals. Uh, so if everybody has one or if you need one, let us know and we'll get you one. But if you will turn to page 357. And we'll sing all three verses of glory to his name. fourth verses on page 181. Close 
everybody if you are able to if you'll stand as we sing this um, last song his name is wonderful and we that's so true we have a wonderful Savior who loves us and does so much for us and even if all he ever did for us was die on the cross to save us from our sins we couldn't ask for any more than that so let's take some time just to focus on that and just to thank him for being a good and loving Savior
that you love us and that you sent Jesus, God, to save us from our sins. Um, God, I just pray that if there's anybody today who's listening to this message, God, whether they're here or whether they're um, listening online, God, that doesn't know you, or God, or doesn't really know what that's about, Lord, that you just show yourself to them today, God. Just your Holy Spirit just gets a hold of their heart, Lord, and they're able to realize what you've done, God, um, the full payment for sins, Lord, and just accepting you as Lord and Savior and repenting from sin, God, and relying on you to take care of that transformation completely, Lord. That's what saves us. And I pray that uh, those of us who do know you, God, that we just are reminded of that today. And we thank you again for just for what you do. Uh, God, we, that we can never say thank you enough. Um, and God, I pray that we um, learn something new about you today and take it to others. Um, and be with the children during Children's Church as well. In your name I pray. Amen. Y'all can be seated. And the children who would like to come are dismissed for Children's Church. Well, the Bible says that God's name is wonderful. Jesus' name is wonderful. You remember in Isaiah, it says that He shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And that's our Lord today. And we need to be grateful that we have such a wonderful God that loves us so much that He would send His own Son to die in our place that we might have eternal life and forgiveness of sins. Isn't that wonderful news this morning? And that's exactly what we're talking about here as we're continuing on through the book of Romans. We're going to take up at verse 11 here in chapter 2 in the book of Romans if you want to turn there in your Bible. Uh, Remember chapter 1 talked to us about the gospel. Paul said that he was not ashamed of the gospel. In verse 16, he says in chapter 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Jew and Gentile have to come to God the same way, through faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And only that gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ can save a person. A lot of people today are preaching a false gospel. A lot of so-called churches today are preaching a false gospel. Or they want to be like the the Judaizers were in the book of Galatians where they say, well, it's okay to have faith in Christ, but you have to do these other things too. The Bible teaches that there's only one way to be saved, and that's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So then we found in chapter 2, as we started last week, that nobody has an excuse when it comes to standing before God in eternity. Nobody will have an excuse because the the latter part of chapter 1 tells us that everybody can look around at the creation and know that there's a God. But the Bible tells us there that even though people knew that there was a God, They didn't want to have anything to do with Him. So the Bible says that God turned them over to a reprobate mind. And that's what you see in this world today is a lot of people that 
deep down they know that there is a God, they just don't want to admit it. And so he says, no one will be without an excuse when you stand before God on judgment day because you have willfully rebelled against God. So as we look at chapter 2 and begin here at verse 11, that's where we left off last time. God says here through the Apostle Paul, says, for there is no respect of persons with God. You can't impress God. No matter what you do, God will never look at you and be impressed. He'll never look at me and be impressed. You can't surprise Him. He already knows all about us. He already knows what we will do tomorrow and the next day and all the way into eternity. So you're not going to ever disappoint God, but you're not going to ever impress God either. God loves you just because He chooses to love you. Not because of something special about you. Just because He chooses to love you. The longer I live, the more I realize that uh, that is very true. And the, more, the longer I live, the more I realize just how blessed I am that God does love me. Because there's nothing in me that God should love. He doesn't love me because of me. He loves me because of who He is. The Bible says that we know love in this, that that God first loved us. He first loved us. People in this world that that don't have the Holy Spirit, that are lost, they really don't know what love is. They think they do. But the world's definition of love is, is lustful, is selfish. It, they they love for what they can get in return. God's love is unconditional. He loves us regardless. And that's the kind of love we are to have with the brethren. We are to love one another that way. And unconditional. We're to love to give, not to get. And the Bible says that's how the world will know that we're disciples of Christ is that we love like God loves. When Jesus said a new commandment I give you, He said, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. He didn't say to love one another as you love yourself. He said love one another as I have loved you. That's the new commandment that God gave to us through Jesus Christ. As the body of believers, we are to love one another as Christ has loved us. So we see here in, in, in this text that there not only is there no excuse for people, but there be no exceptions. There are people today that really believe. I've talked to people that will tell you that they really believe that when they stand before God that they can convince God that they wasn't as bad as most folks and that God ought to let them into heaven. There will be no exceptions. Verse 12 says, For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. So all will be judged. And it doesn't matter whether you were a Jew that knew the law of God 
and rebelled against it, or if you were a Gentile that did not know the law of God, if you rebelled against what light you had, if you rebelled against what you knew, if you rebelled against the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're going to be judged and sentenced with a guilty verdict. Verse 13 says, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. We will all be judged, and we will be judged according to our deeds. The book of James says that, well, at verse, verse um, 22 in chapter 1 of James, it says, be ye, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. It's easy to sit in here and say, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins. I believe Jesus was resurrected. It's easy to say that with your mouth. But real genuine belief in that fact will change your heart and change your life. And it will change the way you live. The book of James also tells us that faith without works is dead. You're not saved by your works, but you prove your faith by your works. You're saved by faith. But genuine faith will show up in the way you live your life. If you understand what I'm talking about, say amen. Amen. It will show up in the way you live. So, you know, what you say with your mouth doesn't really matter. God knows what's in your heart. So all will be judged, and we will be judged according to our deeds. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, verse 14 says, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So we're going to be judged with or without the law. God has given everybody a conscience. God has given everybody the ability to know right and wrong. And when people repress their conscience, it eventually gets to the point to where it gets dull. First uh, Timothy 4, 1 and 2 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. We're living in a time today where people are convincing themselves that they can live any way they want to live and that God is okay with that. And they're ignoring their conscience. They're ignoring the Word of God. And they'll eventually get to the point to where they won't even sense their conscience anymore. They won't even have any sense of right and wrong. They'll just believe that the wrong they're living in is right. You know, the Bible says in the last days people will call good evil and evil good. You see what I'm saying? You get to a point if you ignore your conscience, if you ignore the call of God long enough, you'll get to the point to where your your ears are dull. You're not sensitive to hearing it. 
So whether you had the law or not, God still has an opportunity to speak to you. And if you ignore that, then you're practicing a deed that will not lead you to salvation and you will be judged for that. He says, verse 16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men. Everybody in here has things in their life that nobody knows about but you and God. And that's okay. I think it ought to be that way. You don't have to tell everybody everything that goes on in your life and in your heart and in your mind. But God does know. God knows you and me better than He know than we know ourselves. And He knows our motives as well as what we do. He not only knows what we do, but why we do it. And I can fool you some, and you can fool me some, but no one fools God. And the day that He's talking about is the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord mentioned throughout the Old Testament. The day of the Lord talked about in the book of Revelation. The day of the Lord when Jesus Christ comes back to judge this earth and the people of earth for their disbelief in Him. The day of vengeance. The day of tribulation. The day of great trouble. That day, the day of the Lord that will begin at the beginning of the tribulation and will go into the millennial kingdom. There's coming a time when the Lord will come back and the Lord will judge. And He'll judge every one of us. Don't sit in here and think today that just because you're saved that you're exempt from the judgment of God. Now you and I, when we stand before God, we will not be judged for our sins. Our sins have already been judged and paid for in Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible does teach that we will stand before the Lord and be judged for our works. So you and I will be judged for our works just like lost people will be judged for theirs. And listen, Jesus is the judge. He says, the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 4.1 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. You hear what He's saying? Jesus will judge. Who who are the quick? The book of Ephesians says that you and I as believers, that our spirits have been quickened. That's an old King James word. It just means made alive. When people are born into this world, their spirit is dead. Why? Because God's not there. When God left Adam and Eve's spirit, they died immediately. That moment, spiritually speaking, they died. They progressively died in their souls and ultimately they died in their bodies. But through Christ, that curse is reversed. Through Christ, we become what Jesus taught Nicodemus about. Born again. And then God's Spirit comes into our spirit and makes us alive to God again. So now all of a sudden, at that moment of salvation, we're made alive in our spirit. And listen, I do not believe the Bible teaches that you get saved today and get the Holy Spirit next week, next year, ten years from now, 
I don't believe it teaches that. And I don't believe you get a little of the Holy Spirit today and more of Him next week and more of Him next year. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. The Bible teaches that the moment you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in your spirit and you get all the Holy Spirit right then that you'll ever get. Now the Holy Spirit will get more of you as time goes on, but you don't get more of the Spirit. The calling and the gifts of God are irrevocable. Without the Spirit of God, we wouldn't even be able to have fellowship and relationship with with God. So you're made alive immediately in your spirit. Progressively, we're being made alive in our souls. That's what sanctification is all about. Learning now to live our lives from the Holy Spirit that lives within us from the inside out instead of as we did when we were dead to God, we lived from the outside in. People that are lost, they live by their five senses. They live by what they see, smell, taste, hear, and touch or feel or experience. Because their spirit's dead. They, don't, they have to react to what's in the world around them. You and I, when we're saved, we start learning how to live the inside out. To stop living by our senses and live by our spirit and our faith in Christ. Your senses will tell you sometime that you need to be scared to death. And the Spirit of God says, Peace be still. Don't be afraid. Fear not. For I am with you. Right? And no matter what your senses feel, you have to live by faith and believe what God tells you. Sometimes your senses will say, you going to let that person talk to you like that? You better tell them right now what they need to do. Y'all look at me like I'm the only one that has this kind of experience. <laughs> you, everything in you says, tell them off. <laughs> Punch your lights out. You know, everything in you tells you that. That's sensual. The Spirit of God says... No. Don't repay evil with evil, but repay evil with good. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Right? You learn to live from the inside out. So he's going to judge the quick, those that are believers that have the spirit in them, and the dead those that never did receive Christ. You see, now's the time that you have to make that decision while you're walking and breathing on this earth. If you refuse Jesus Christ, you'll continue to be dead in your trespasses and sin because your spirit's dead. And when you die physically, you're dead eternally. You don't have a chance to reverse that. There is no purgatory. There is no place where you can go atone for your sins after you die and people can pray and buy your way out of that. The Bible does not teach that. When Lazarus and the rich man died, it says the rich man died and in hell he opened up his eyes. And he begged then for help. 
He just wanted a little drink of water, but too late. Don't be fooled. You have to make those decisions right now. And you're not promised the next second. So Jesus will judge the quick and the dead. And He's going to judge, He says, by according to my gospel is what Paul says. The, the gospel is the standard of God's judgment. God will judge you on what you did with Jesus Christ. What did you do about your knowledge of the fact that Jesus Christ is God, that He died for your sins, that He was buried, and that He was resurrected? What did you do with that? That's what you'll be judged by. John 3 verse 18 says, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. That's all you have to do. Do you believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, paid your sin debt on the cross? Do you believe that He was buried for three days and that the Spirit of God raised Him on that third day? That He's alive, that He's in heaven today with the Father, and that Jesus Christ is God and Lord of all? That's what you have to do to be saved. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and thou shalt be saved. In verse 18 of John 3, He goes on, He says, But he that believeth not is condemned already. We come into this world condemned to die and go to hell because we're lost. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe there is an age of accountability. And I believe little children, if they leave this world before they reach that age, that they go to be with the Lord. But I do believe that all of us come into this world, even as little babies, and we're empty of the Spirit in our spirit because we're born in sin. And if you live long enough and you come to a place where you can make a decision, then it's up to you. He says, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And notice that the Bible is very clear throughout the book of John, especially to say that Jesus is the only begotten. That means he's a chip off the old block. He's just like his father. Jesus said, I and the Father are what? One. He's, I'm the same. He said, before Abraham was, I am. I am was the name for God. They knew what Jesus was claiming. Jesus wasn't claiming to just be a man that came to this earth and somehow realized His divinity and got His Christ spirit and give all of us an example to follow. No, Jesus was born the God-man. He was God from His conception. The only begotten Son of God. Verse 17, Behold, thou art called a Jew with the law. Now we've seen people without the law. Now He's going to say even people with the law will be judged. 
the Jews do not have an advantage when it comes judgment day because they were the ones that received the, the oracles of the law of God. Now they had an advantage when God did give them that. That gave them an advantage, but if they didn't do with it what God intended for them to do with it, they have no advantage just because God favored them with the law. Just like you don't have an advantage just because you show up to church today. Remember, there's no respect of persons with God. And he says, And you restest in the law and makest thy boast of God. So the Jews had the law. They rested in it. They boasted that they had God. You remember when we studied Jeremiah, Jeremiah 7, 4, when Jeremiah was telling them that judgment was coming. They said, Jeremiah said, Trust ye not in lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. Remember, they had the attitude, Hey, God's not going to judge us. We're His people. Look, we have His temple. He's not going to judge us. They were saying just because we're His people, we have the law, we have the temple, we can disobey God and live any way we want to. God won't judge us. And He said, and look, the church is guilty of the same attitude at times. Verse 18, He says, And knowest His will, the Jews knew the will of God, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. The Jews approved the law. So listen to what he's saying here. He said, you rest in the law. In other words, they could say, well, we're not worried. We have the law of God. They made their boast in God. We're God's children. They knew His will. We know what God wants us to do. Said you, And you approve the things that are more excellent. They even approved the law. They said, we, we approve the law of God. We know it's right. And they were even taught what to do out of the law. What about me and you? You hold a Bible in your hand. What good does it do you if you don't read it? What good does it do you if you don't live by it? A lot of us think just because, oh, well, I'm saved. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's all I need. I don't, it don't matter if I live some, some, do some things that's sinful from time to time. God's already forgiven me for it. And I won't die and go to hell because of it. I know what the Bible says. I go to church. I prove what the Bible says. Preacher, you preached a good sermon this morning. Boys are good. And, and then you just walk out and it does nothing to you spiritually what good does that do you that's what he's saying here the way the Jews were he's, they had the law they had it all they approved of it they knew God's will but they didn't obey it there's a part of scripture that teaches us that just saying 
that you believe these things and agreeing with them in your head doesn't save you. If you truly believe it, it will affect your behavior. It will change your way of life. When you have that attitude, well, I can do this and the Lord will forgive me. And you go and you do those things. If you're truly saved, you're going to get convicted of that. And you're going to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I know I really shouldn't have done that. But if you can just go and live any way you want to live and it don't bother you, you're not saved. You can't be. If the Spirit of God lives in you and you continue to be disobedient to God, you're going to be convicted that what you're doing is wrong. So that's what he's saying here is that people are going to be judged. People are going to be judged whether you're saved or whether you're lost. Uh, verse, verses 21 through 23 in Matthew 7 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You see, we can deceive ourselves into believing that just because we're hanging out with Christians and we're going to church and we're doing good things, and doing the things that Christians do, and we go to church and listen to the preacher and we say, yeah, I agree with you, preacher. That's, that's right. We can convince ourselves that we're saved. But true salvation is a personal thing between you and God. And it can only come to pass when you surrender your will to the Lord Jesus Christ. And say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. I believe Jesus is the only payment you will accept for my sins. And I believe that He died for me. And I believe He was buried and was raised again on the third day. I believe He is my Savior and Lord of all. And I confess Him as that. I want to repent of my sins and I want to be saved. And listen, when that happens, you don't longer go to church because you have to. You don't try to read your Bible because you think you have to. You don't pray because you think you have to. You do it because you want to. Amen. Amen. Verse 19, And art confident that thou thyself are a guide to the, of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which hast the form of knowledge and of the truth and in the law. So the Jews thought they could lead others to God and instruct others in the ways of God. Verses 21 through 23 says, Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself. Now think about what he's saying here. And thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? And thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? 
Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God? So you say, the Bible is the Word of God. But I don't, I don't read it and try to let the Holy Spirit apply it to my life. You know, we can tell people what to do. Remember the old songs of practice, what you preach? That's what he's saying. Do you practice what you preach? Verses 24 and 25, For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written, For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Isn't it a shame to think about that God gave His law to a group of people that He wanted them to be the ones to to show God to the world. But yet, the Bible says here that they blaspheme the name of God to the rest of the world when the Jews were going through their religious rituals and their religious ceremonies and living like the heathen, they were blaspheming God. They were calling God a liar. They were saying, you know, we know your law, God, but we don't believe it matters. We can be the same way as Christians. And the church is that way in a lot of ways today. The, the, The modern church... Now, I say this a lot. There is a true church. There's a remnant of people that are the true church. And some of them are mixed into these false churches. Okay? There is a true church. But when you look at what is considered mainstream church today, there's a lot of this kind of stuff that goes on. They say, oh yeah, we, we have the Bible, but we don't always listen to it. We don't always preach it. We don't always believe it. They're blaspheming the name of God and dishonoring God. And if we're not careful, we can all do the same thing at times. Verses 26 and 27. He says, Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his circumcision be counted, his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision. And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision doth transgress the law. What's he saying here? What was the sign of the Abrahamic covenant? Circumcision. That was the sign of the covenant. So he's saying here, when they were circumcised, they said, now we have a covenant and a relationship with God. But if they didn't live by God's law and didn't care about God's law, circumcision meant nothing. Then on the other hand, he's saying, but those that are uncircumcised, if they live by the law, and they honor God through the law, then their uncircumcision becomes circumcision. Uh, Maybe we could think of it like this. Baptism. There are those in the church 
that say you can baptize infants. And when you baptize that infant, you bring them into the kingdom of God. And now they become part of the kingdom of God and part of the church. The infant doesn't know anything yet. No right, no wrong, anything. As that infant grows and that person is told, you're a Christian because you were baptized. You're a Jew because you were circumcised. You're a Christian because you were baptized. But they go off and they live just any way they want to live and they never come to the knowledge of the truth and they never confess their sins before God and repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. That baptism meant nothing. You with me? The thief on the cross didn't have an opportunity to be baptized. Did he go to heaven? Jesus Christ Himself said He did. He said, this day you will be with me in paradise. Didn't matter if He baptized or not. It was faith. So that's what He's saying here is. And He's trying to say that it's not external. It's a matter of the heart. Salvation is a matter of the heart. Let's look at these last two verses and we'll, we'll stop. Galatians, let's look at this right quick. Galatians 6, verse 15 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. So the Bible is saying here, in Christ, it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or if you're not circumcised. What matters is that you're a new creature in Christ. It's a circumcision of the heart. Verses 28 and 29 of our text says, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the what? Heart. It's a matter of the heart. In the spirit and not in the letter. It's not about the law, it's about the spirit. In Christ, all that matters is does the Holy Spirit now live in your spirit? How do you get the Holy Spirit? Through faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And if you look around this world today, there's only two groups of people as far as God is concerned there's only two groups of people it has nothing to do with your economic status your race or anything like that two groups of people there are those who have the spirit of God in their spirit and they are those who do not those who have the spirit of God are saved they're connected with God they know God those who do not they don't know God. So you're either saved or you're lost. And he says, whose praise is not of men but of God. And if you are saved, there's only one place you can give glory. Where is that? To God. That's right. To God. Romans 9, 22 through 24 says, what if God willing to show His wrath 
and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us, Paul says, even us, whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. If you're saved today, it's because God called you. We'll see in Romans 3 that there are none righteous, there are none that seek after God. If you're saved, it's because God called you and saved you. In verse uh, 36 in Romans 11 says, For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. So if you're saved this morning, praise God. If you're lost, you can be saved by putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Repent of your sins, turn to Christ, believe on Him as your Savior, confess Him as Lord. The Bible says that will save your soul. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for bringing it to our hearts and minds. Multiply it in our minds and our hearts for your glory. That we would know and be able to obey your will. In Jesus' name, amen.